0: Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me.
1: I like building something that has legacy.
0: This week's episode is recorded remotely. Uh, it's Ramadan, uh, but we're keeping the show on the road. And it was a really interesting conversation. It's all about the automotive industry. Uh, so car rental specifically. If you like this episode, you might be referred back to the interview with U-Drive and E-Car, uh, who are in similar category uh, as car rental. Uh, it's a success story. It kind of evolved out of India, then into Dubai, UAE, Silicon Oasis, they never raise a penny they're self-funded and they're profitable um, and their app and technology is what makes them successful so really interesting conversation some of the most typical com- topics that we, we talk about com- come up and we talk about the pandemic we talk about expansion across the region as well and uh, show has really good thoughts on what's happening with electric vehicles and the car industry uh, so enjoy the conversation Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, we're joined by Soham Shah, the co-founder and CEO of SelfDrive. They are a technology-based car subscription platform that helps car manufacturers and dealerships to put out brand new latest car models on roads via renting and leasing. So today on the show, we're going to talk about how Soham and his co-founder and his team came up with SelfDrive, uh, the company's growth post-COVID-19 the category, the industry, and also how self-drive have expanded across the region and their future plans. Good morning, Soham. Very good morning. Thanks so much for having me here today. Likewise. Thanks a lot for joining. Appreciate you joining uh, the business podcast. Uh, So yeah, as I explained in the intro, can you just talk a little bit about uh, when you started self-drive and and how you came up with the idea? So uh,
1: self-drive started back in uh, India. Uh, we, we basically started here when we got an opportunity to work with certain corporates here and they started uh, requesting for a self-drive car here. Uh, well, uh, specifically, India does not have a market as such for uh, the self-drive rentals, but we started looking at the technological aspect of it and say, how can we make a reservation possible on this? And uh, from there, we've been building the platform, understanding, working with certain amount, but then uh pure the real launch, I would say, happened in UAE when we have been requ- uh, invited by one of the OEM partners, stating that, okay, uh, what do you do? We really love it in India, and why don't you just uh, come and, uh, you know, look at what problems do we have here as such? And because it was a car manufacturer, the OEM really looking at it, and they really understand this problem, which was the unsold inventory. And uh, it's because UAE or the GCC as a region imports everything, and once the cars are imported, Uh, They really can't do much about it. They have to either sell or do something around with it. They have to put a discount. They have to make sure that the car moves to the road. And um, uh, I would say it was a very futuristic guy who really understood back in uh, 2014, 2015 that he said, uh, why don't you guys just uh, walk in on to Dubai. So it was an invite for us in UAE. So we went, we packed our bags, we came in, uh, we saw that. And I remember my first visit to UAE was directly going to the yard in the peaks uh, summers of june and they said okay here's the parking lot and you have these all, all cars that are only imported and uh, they're like okay what do we do with this and what's the problem and he's like uh, we are we want to put this cars on road and how and we are looking for a non brand agnostic platform which basically uh, would help dealers to add a independent vertical or a revenue and the customers to really get a dealer certified vehicles. And that's where it all started and started coming. So we built the whole platform from there. And uh, yeah, that's what we help currently is. We've got around 18 car manufacturers working with us, close to 55 dealerships across UAE right now. Okay. Uh, on board sign up with us. And uh, uh, that's that's where the whole platform
0: started. This is how it is. Okay, amazing. I'll ask a few more questions around that, but just uh, to understand. So typically the car industry would have dealers and the consumer purchasing a car would go to a dealer. If a consumer wants to rent or lease a car, they don't typically right. go to a dealer. They might go to a renter car leasing company. What right. it looks like, what you are empowering the dealerships is to almost have their own rental and leasing service as well via an app. Is that correct?
1: Correct. So, so, they, so uh, we have two segments of the platform what we built over a period. So one is the B two C, which is a direct to consumer platform, which is the self dot and which we have uh, been exponentially seen a growth on. Uh, the other, what we built was uh, a dealer network plugin, which basically plugs all the dealerships into one consortium for them to host their own cars and uh, you know look at look at what they want to start in case they want. So a dealership primarily is meant to sell cars, but they never looked at it from a perspective that okay, what do we do and Why does this problem exist? Now, let me just, you know, rewind and go back to it. Where does the problem really exist? Not all the dealers or not all the models of the cars really sell. You can have a sell for a top line or a low line, probably a midline. But then there are certain trim levels that will never sell. And that was a major problem for all the dealerships across the country and across all the brands, practically. And they wanted to have a solution or a platform where they can post it all. And that's where it started to say that, okay, you know, can we have an integrated solutions for this and uh, let the consumers go and for. So now what happens is when a consumer or a customer looks at it from a standpoint, basically comes out, okay, uh, the cars are well-maintained because it comes directly. 99% of the fleet is brand new because uh, the dealer doesn't want to have the whole life cycle of the cars being kept like the car rental companies do. They want Because they buy the assets, their finance charges, they has to it. Um, then there are other charges of the operation and everything. Here, the tech is ready. They don't need to reinvent the whole wheel. Everything has been provided by us. All they need to do is manage the operations, which they already have. So they have the drivers, they have the washing way, they have the maintenance, they have the insurance. Uh, They can also have accident repair. They also have a 24 by 7 uh, roadside assistance. So all the elements required to fulfill a leasing or a renting company already existed. So we are trying to monetize it and help them grow at a scale uh, because they have the appetite to even scale, because they are importing these many vehicles, they have a genuine problem, the cars are standing, just getting depreciated. How many times we see an ad, it's a zero kilometer or a fifteen kilometer driven twenty twenty-one or twenty twenty model? That's all unsold sort of stock. And these unsold stocks started moving down to a platform. So that's where the problem died, that's where we found a solution and that's where we are today.
0: Okay. So when did it start in India? Uh, You mentioned 2014, Uh, 2015. uh, Yeah, so the India
1: story uh, basically started building the platform when I said we started getting a request coming in from certain corporates that we were earlier doing, the chauffeur-driven side of it. So it started back in 2011, uh, to be precise, when we started doing uh, the self dot in-concept Where in here. But the platform was very naive. It was just a reservation engine as such. We never built any of the modules there. Uh, uh, We wanted to build the first company, to have these uh, infrastructure rated for uh, India, it was a custom-built uh, system because India was a different market. We couldn't just take a copy paste from a US uh, uh, business model and just say, "Okay, we are doing it better." No, we had to do it from the scratch, uh, which we did. it uh, As per the Indian, uh, you know, the law of the land and everything, we went through all of that. But what it taught us was uh, speed and scale to do it. Uh, that really helped us in a way.
0: Okay, and you know, just a little bit about India. So it's obviously a massive country with many different territories and a uh, huge population. How, uh, how, what city did you launch in and how did you expand? And did you see you know, the UAE as just another sort of territory uh, expansion or was it a completely different market entry?
1: Um, so we started back in uh, a place called Aspune, which is around 175 kilometers from Bombay. Um, that's the native place where we started from. Uh, so the next imagined expansion what we had was in Bombay and then we went to Goa, which is the famous tourist place for and there are a lot of people tourists coming in. Uh, then we moved to the north, which is Delhi, which is the capital of India. Uh, and there is around 200 kilometers away from the Chandigarh. So these are certain of the cities that we launched in. But we had a lot of, uh, uh, we faced a lot of restriction uh, while expanding because we wanted to be asset light and we wanted to expand by large but when we started with we the first company to start anyway so there's a there's a zero question of we trying to aggregate anyone uh automotive guys really didn't understand it at that time i'm talking 2011-2012 uh there were no companies as such there the first company to compete with us came in practically in 2015. so till that time we were educating the crowd and we we're still working so it was very hard times difficult times i would say to really us and why would it so we changed our focus to international market assets so in India, though we were in India and these cities, what we expanded to, uh, we were still comparing, uh, you know, serving international crowd inbound. We were not really doing the local population here because people don't still understand. But why would you rent a car and drive it yourself? It's kind of the, you know, the, the infrastructure or the, uh, the traffic jams what you get in here. And why would you do that anyway? So a lot of people had didn't really understand it. So we didn't waste our time in uh, convincing them, you know, why you should do it. But then uh, we, Focused ourselves into inbound because India is massively uh, has a a good population, and we are spread all over the world. And hence, Indians come back to India every vacation, whatever happens in. And there are also corporates that are there coming inbound for uh, projects. So that really helps us to sustain the company over a period of time. UAE, by large, for us was a new playground completely. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say the systems were ready. We did actually spend in uh, close to a year. after we decided to, yes, that we are going to move to, uh, you know, and expand into UAE Shores, uh, we built everything from the scratch, ground up for the UAE market. Uh, I guess that has been the success story and the recipe for us is because we have not just done a copy-paste mechanics of our systems. Uh, We've really gone to the root, root cause of what people would want to have it there and then built around it. And that's uh, that's where UAE has been a different market. India has been a very
0: different market for us. Interesting. Yeah, there's so many, so much to talk about. I think, uh, you know, what you described was when you have, when you're a bit ahead of your times, you've got something that's a, on paper, a really good solution to a problem, but there's an awareness challenge and then a behavior challenge as well. Um, and then, you know, that's the kind of, uh, negative of being a first mover, isn't it? But because yes, you have a clean market to go after, but actually uh, if people enter later, you've already done a lot of the awareness and things like that. So mm. ten, ten, twelve years on, how is is self-drive's presence in India now? Versus, you know, are you still doing the inbound market, or are people more aware of the solution and are they using it, and um, are are they still a bit behind for different reasons? The UAE, um, India
1: market after COVID has been actually consolidated. Uh, the reason for it is. Uh, uh, we have massive amount of uh, taxes that have been increased and uh, it now a lot of it doesn't make any financial viable sense to uh, rent us. So we are into also into leasing. So we've, we've got a leasing product which is going super strong. Uh, we're still working with, so we've improved our presence into the car manufacturing and leasing territory. Uh, we are now expanding into other cities out here. So that's the, the, that's the plan out here post-COVID for India. Uh, from the UAE standpoint, uh, our focus by large has now been into the GCC expansion. Uh, India will take its own curve to mature. It has matured to the retail segment of it, but then, as I said, uh, concerning the cost of fuel, the taxation, the way they've gone up, the cost of product itself, which is the cars itself, has gone uh, multifolds uh, up, and which has not been a real financial uh, uh, lucrative advice to really go and. Brendan unless it's leasing, which is going great in corporates because they don't have the cars on their books, which goes great. But then uh, retail, it's it's kind of been consolidated right now, deterministic. And it's it's been hit across. It's just not us. It's been across anybody who entered the market between uh, see twenty fifteen onwards, going up to twenty eighteen. There are barely any few players left in the retail segment that have been really Okay. Um, able to expand. Uh,
0: so so you and your, your co-founder also moved to the UAE about 2014-2015. So you really you see Surf I, Drive was, as a UAE sort of success story now? Absolutely. Yeah. So we are
1: I, I would really say that we are a UAE grown company because we built everything from the UAE's territory for the country there, uh, except the reservation component, which was already done for the India. That's the only component that came along or tagged along with us there uh but beyond than that everything was custom made for the uae market and the requirement of uh the dealerships and the consumers looking at what their specific requirements are
0: okay and uh so you mentioned the number of dealers and partners that you have what's the, what's the current team like uh, you mentioned asset light before and of course with yeah. with app technology uh you know yes. you, you're almost like a marketplace you're almost like the middleman what what sort of team do you have in place and uh how have you grown that within the UAE? How have you found building out the self-drive team here? Right. So we started
1: very small. <laughs> we have a um, uh, we really really started very small. We just started on one table in uh, the West Elicorn. That's where we set up in 20 uh 2016. 2017 we went live. Uh that's one year we took in buildings and stuff. but uh now we're a team size of uh to close to 40 people and wow. uh uh, in India, we have a tech support back in here. We are close to 35 people here. So that's the team size right now. And uh, we have a full-fledged support system, including a development center back in UAE also to have uh, tech support in case I anything required. Because it's just not app-driven. We have uh, the verticals, whether it's in web, whether it's PWA, whether it's an application Android, and iOS. So we have open all the funnel channels, making sure that it's convenient for the customers to access any mode of it, what they're coming in what's what's what's
0: whatever they require so we are there okay amazing and did you raise funds we are bootstrapped Wow. bootstrapped profitable very
1: profitable absolutely we are profitable we reached our break uh, even break in the first two years of our operations uh and uh, we successfully grew exponentially during covid we'll have a covid expansion later but then again uh, we've seen a great potential of growth here
0: and profitable, yes. Where the, does the revenue, majority of the revenue get generated from? Is it from fees? Is it from um, usage or how does it, the business model work?
1: So business model is quite simple. Uh, we, uh, we get these cars which are kind of exclusive models which are not there and uh, available easily on rentacar. cars. So that makes us very very uh, different from other car companies. So why, anybody would come up and say, okay, I can get the same model at a different price point in rentacar. That's up, yes, you can do that anytime. But what happens is when you start getting a dealer on board or backed up with you, what happens is there are tons of models that will never enter a rent account segment. So the cluster or the category of the vehicles are very different. And that's where the pricing is also very different. As I said, everything is ready at a dealership. That means the OPEX and the CAPEX requirement to run that kind of an operation is absolutely nearly close to zero. Because it already existed there with them. Uh, having said that, there are no finance charges, there are no other fees of running multiple counters, which typically uh, other franchises or car would have. Uh, so these costs really minimize the operation and minimize the cost of us to have a purchase. So we have a purchase rate that would come into us and we basically have a markup fee that we basically see that okay, to run these kind of operations, what we want to do, uh, what would we charge? So there'll be a small charging fee that will say there's a fee charger that is to be that. And then the customer pays that because. And why does the customer go with us? Is because these are the unique model that they will not see. Because rent a car, all of them, you will see a certain level of models only been bought because they are looking at from their uh, you know residual value point of view, from the utilization point of view, from the demand, current demand of that vehicle make and model. But they are not really flexible of trying and experimenting to new car models or trying and experimenting towards say a crossover, say a hybrid version. Uh, even going up to an EV. so we are the first companies in 2017 to launch EVs in the UAE market. So the platform is also used by car manufacturers and dealerships to test models to see which what what is the market uh, you know acceptance on these models. Uh, can they go in the fleet segment? Can they go on the you know the consumer segment? So there's a lot of uh, analysis that goes, the data science that goes behind uh, making it successful for a model for a car maker to say, okay, this is great. Now this. we need to order more cars or import more cars in this segment of this uh, number, these uh, uh, trim levels. So they all work on our platform for that.
0: Okay. And so just, just specifically, sorry about the business model. So uh, from a B2C point of view, there would be a, a rental fee. From a B2B yeah. point of view, is there a, a hosting fee to have the inventory on your app or how does it work?
1: No, we don't charge any hosting fee. It's completely free for the suppliers to come on board. Uh, we give them a complete end-to-end integrated solutions. Uh, we also have our own built payment gateway and architecture. So we built it from the scratch for us. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw in some light on that. What does it mean? As we, uh, I'm in an opinion that you can't just take an e-commerce payment architecture and just throw into a service uh, industry and say that, hey, listen, uh, you know, it works. It actually doesn't work. A lot of people in businesses would fail in case they don't really understand why is their business winning? Is not also because uh, they don't really have a payment architecture of their own. Uh, they want to go in uh, and cut short the way by taking in uh, the existing infrastructure and say, okay, this is what it is. But we, uh, over a period of years of our experience, we realized very strongly that we need to have our own infrastructure for these things to go through. It also helps us in uh, uh, you know having these dealers on board because. Uh, end-to-end integration is super important for these uh, because it's all online driven. It's all cards driven processes. So uh, we have that. That really helps in So onboarding process is completely complementary for uh, the dealerships. Uh, we only charge the customer a small, small nominal fee. Uh, what makes interesting as a business model is because it's a long term, it's subscription based which is a success story for the uh, in company in UAE which is that like, people start tend to take it for one month and keep on extending till the time they wish like. And that's where we keep on making uh, a small fee every month. Uh, and that's where our revenue gets generated. That's why we are, We see that once we have an acquisition of a customer done, he stays with us closely six to seven months with us. And then six or seven months is a good amount of time that we monetize our cost of uh,
0: uh, acquisition, cost of uh, you know marketing and everything. And uh, we can grow some. Business. Okay, interesting. So are you seeing you know, the people in the UAE who use your service from a consumer point of view uh, are there also what's the mix between you know a regular retail consumer and a corporate? Are are companies leasing their vehicles f- through self-drive as well? Okay, I'll
1: I'll take you to a product mix what we've built. Uh, there's an interesting thing that we did uh, in a couple of years with after launching UAE is we're building uh, products for every target market. What does it mean? So we have something called as express reservation, which is basically daily weekly. That's moreover over targets to what's the uh, tourist population—that is the inbound population—who are looking in for very, very short-term requirements. Uh, that's basically only daily, weekly requirements that any rental car would do, but we also do that same. Then we have micro lease, which basically is one month to twelve-month segment. Now this is targeted over towards majorly expat population who are in the UAE. Who you've just imagine you and me entering into UAE—you would surely have an incident. We didn't go and buy the first car immediately. We took in probably a year or two to settle in, understand the laws, understand everything and then you know take that bet of having the first car that we want to have in uae now that's the that's the target market what we uh, find the pain point for the people that is okay what happens when you enter uae you have got a first job you need to have the mobility immediately from day one is the first is your house and second is your car that's what two requirements are basic turns into a basic necessity immediately so then we have the uh, expat population that is for micro lease that's one of the highest revenue uh, uh, generation for the company today then we launched something called as digital leasing, which is uh, a very, very new innovative product. What we built, we wanted to cut short the timing of leasing, whether it's an industry. So, we're the first company to also open doors to individuals. Before then, before this, uh, because we had the dealer network backup, it was very easy for us to do that. Uh, before this, if you want to go down to any leasing company and say that, hey, listen, I don't want to buy, I don't want to have a car load, but I want to lease a vehicle. I'm a serious customer, I want to take it for two, three years. Uh, they might not entertain you if they are not. If your company is not registered with them, and it used to be a super difficult. They were turning around a lot of customers back. Uh, we had this understanding from the dealer data, from the from the from the data network. What we are, we had, we were researching all the data science, looking at what is the footfall of the dealership, why they're turning around, how many people were getting approved for the loans, and similar to the case study. If you are new to the UAE, you might not have your Etihad bureau set. Hence, you will not have a, a credit worthness, and hence, you will not get a car approved. Now, that's where the identified a pocket that was uh, super interesting for us to say, okay, can we, how can we turn this around and we build a product around using a tech? So we said, uh, you know, we went to the drawing board. We had a lot of, you know, going back and forth with uh, options and all. But then what we created was the first digital architecture we called it as these Pro. Now, what is Pro does is giving you the option of registering a brand new car exclusively for you. You can select the trim level. You can select the color, everything uh, as a customer. And uh, you can take it between uh, one year, two years, and three years. Now, how does this work is earlier uh, in the old school manner. Uh, you used to take you around historically 25 days to 45 days depending on the company that you're dealing with and the creditworthiness that they have with the dealership. And the documents of the company for you to get approval of the vehicle, we cut short that time to seven days, and we use uh, we use uh, data, uh, we use uh, other options of eligibility criteria check for an individual as well as corporates to reduce that time to seven days. So now, from the time you make a reservation online under the lease pro category, you get a brand new vehicle registered for you, compliance completed within two days of time dealership gets the approval on that lines and the dealership registers the car and keeps it ready on the seventh day. where you can walk to the dealership take the delivery of the car from the same way that you would have got your brand new personal car paid first, delivered.
2: Interesting. So these are
1: some of the differentiators largely what we've created as a market.
0: Okay amazing. Um, so just moving on a little bit from from that because it really does sound like a success story you built it yourself and It's it's obviously still a tech platform, and you've created a good few differentiators as well. Um, It's a good few years in, but you know, in sort of two years ago, April, March, April, twenty twenty, the pandemic happened. Uh, Most people were off the road for a few months. Um, What happened self drive then, and what did what decisions did you make?
1: Um, I remember those dates precisely. Twenty fourth, we went into lockdown. Fourth April, we went to hundred percent lockdown. I I remember these dates very well because uh, we and our team were practically uh, figuring it out like all the others. Like you know, we don't know nobody has gone through this. No experience would ever teach you what to do and what decisions to take. But having said that, uh, uh, we actually decided to wait to a decision of wait and watch. We didn't hit the panic button. Uh, We said that, okay, fine. Uh, Two things I remember we took a decision on was, uh, uh, first, we asked, so our phones were buzzing with clients wanting to return the cars. Uh, We did a simple maths. We had paid an X amount to acquire these customers, which is our cost of acquisition. If these all cars come back, anyways, we're going to be going back to zero. Like all the other companies thought about it, it's inevitable, it's going to go back to zero. We did a math in case we let them keep these cars. And they said, okay, let them do it for one month. In case the lockdown extends for more than a month, this is a cap- capacity of uh, CapEx that we will be able to bear it. In case they don't use it, they are not able to drive it. No problem. Let them let them keep it. We will not charge them, which is fair. You can't drive it. We are not charging you for it. But let's not lose the customers. Um, that was a complete... Keep complete decisions taken back by sitting, okay, we are ready to spend in case our dealer network doesn't support us. This was a decision taken by us as the company, as founders. We said, we'll look into the factor that, okay, how do we manage the you know, cash flow? How would we manage the funds? Everything. But let's not lose the customers at day one. Uh, I remember we took this decision. Fourth went to the complete lockdown. The sixth, we took the decision of uh, starting offering to the customers not to return the cars and will not charge them. Um, we were down only by barely less than 10% of the total fleet size that really got back. That was because of the two days of decision making that we took in. Other than that, all the customers did keep the cars with them. We got the dealership. We spoke out to them. Certain dealerships did support us, stating that it is fair. We don't want the cars back. Uh, we are, we are happy. Uh, we will, we'll work out, you know, what happens for a one month. And the, some of them, we did not. He said, we want the cars back. We, they had certain permissions from the RTA that okay they can pick the cars from the customers then, which they did, which we had no problem. But then uh, from where some of the, so the hybrid versions, we some of the dealers, we paid it from our pockets and said, let, it, let the cars start there. Interestingly, what happened is uh, the lockdown 100% only lasted for one month, which is 30 days. After this, it again went for a partial uh, reopening, uh, which was 15 days, and again, it reopened 100%. We didn't lose customers. Uh, the customers, 98% of them stayed with us and uh, everybody felt really uh, supported as a supplier. So that created enough of us to explode in terms of our referral program that we created. And they referred so many customers that we actually grew by 380% post-COVID between uh, July July and the next year. So within that 12 months, we practically grew 380% of that. Uh, what also happened in post-COVID is uh, buying a car become the last thing on the checklist mm. because when uncertainty hits you, uh, asset or depreciating asset is the last thing anybody would like to have in the checkbox. Mm. So they want to have everything immediately on the mobility. So we were the beneficiary side of the COVID as a company where we understood that people are not going to be buying cars. Dealers understood it very quickly uh, that, okay, they're not going to be, for them to come back to the pre-COVID levels is practically 21, 22 right now. So the dealerships are claiming that, okay, they are now, the, they are now at the pre-COVID levels. But then uh, for us and them, both of us quickly realized that, that it makes a lot of sense for, uh, uh, you know, to exponentially grow and use the fleet that would not be selling now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we took that benefit. Uh, that made us the largest tech platform in the, in the country today, uh, we uh, and we we have ever uh, support from the customers. Uh, we've been trying hard to serve whatever we can at our best and increasing the team size because we grew from during COVID. We were a team size of twelve. Proud to say, we never deducted a single dollar of salary. We never fired anybody, or we didn't uh, we didn't have any of the restrictions imposed on them. We said, uh, let's wait and watch. Anyways, things are going to go to zero yeah if till the time we can afford to have the whole team size and we have that much of runway in our cash flow we will keep them if that never happens and we have second lockdown or if we have the lockdown extended and anything we we go zero at day 1 we go zero at day 5 it doesn't really matter so so that was the decisions that was the whole the, you know the the story of covid and how we
0: managed it well well managed well done and it's nice to hear of about- uh a company that thrived through COVID by level-headed thinking and decision-making. So congratulations on that. It's good to hear. Thanks for sharing. Uh, And to grow so well out of that as well, because clearly, you know, okay, uh, your business is driving cars and, or, you know, people being on the road and that's not the events business, but clearly you were impacted, especially during those months. A couple of questions around the, the category and the industry that you're in. Um, I'll go through specific ones, but, you know, um, you're, you're self-funded. Uh, it is about car renting, uh, you know, actually, you know, a segue from the pandemic, one company that a global company like the incumbents for rental Hertz, uh, there was a very well-documented story of them in bankruptcy and then back and impacted by right. this. How Do you see yourself as a disruptor for the incumbent car rental companies who do so well at airports and do so well at market entry and things like that, and and how how do you see that as being a competitor to to traditional rental companies? Uh,
1: see, yes, we are uh, in a in a in a segment wise. Yes, uh, we are disrupting them because uh, these their primary majorly focus lies into clusters, which is uh, daily weekly. But that's what's happened majorly at the airport. And they're uh, close to, and this is my understanding, the majority of the business comes from the airport, which is the inbound customer base. Uh, their focus was never uh, to look at the local population or serve the expat audience or go into subscription or go into, they have the leasing, but they're only doing B2B leasing by much. Yeah. Uh, individual leasing was not their for So we created segments. We created the, you know, we, we understood where the loops were and we tried to fill up those loops there. Uh, keep them, they basically are still asset heavy, they're buying cars, as I said uh, they would not go in for buying cars which basically do not make financial or do not make any profitable sense for them. So that differentiator will keep on happening and disrupting uh, the industry because you would want to drive uh, a car which is not rent-a-car friendly in terms of financial uh, financial treasury. you would find it with us. Uh, having said that, they also are one of the leaders in the market with the way they are you know, going forward with acquisition. And they have also realized it, that the subscription also makes sense or individual leasing. So they are also opening it up. But then again till the time, uh, you know, uh, we backed up by the dealerships, we backed up by the deep pockets who can give us that kind of growth and scale. You understand We uh, we have no car on our books. We don't have anything on our books, and we are at a scale of 3,000 vehicles per road. Mm, wow. To do the same thing, with having asset heaviness, the amount of deep pockets you will have to have to make sure that the finance charges, the banks is taken care of, and the RVs are taken care of, and the utilization has to be taken care of. There's a different match. The whole uh, calculation and the business model is completely different from what we do and from what they do. They're they, they are, they are a different segment altogether, but yes, the target market or this, the 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 consumer market remains to be the same, but it's a very different approach from two different mm-hmm.
0: verticals. Okay, I, I get it, and you've explained it really well. And you know, as the conversation goes on, I'm realizing that you've you know solved a few different problems at once from a consumer point of view, but also from a, a car dealership point of view and the, and their inventory. But you know that that market that industry is often uh, motivated by test driving, and and you explain that they would get a good idea of how, what cars people like and things like that. So it sounds like, you know, a really well thought out business strategy. Another kind of competitor question who also fill that gap of inventory, but do it in a consumer in a different way is the sort of um uh, rent, but drive the car yourself. And in this market and on the Dubai Works Business Podcast, we've spoken to you drive and e-car. Uh, yeah. Apart from the obvious where, uh, the person leases the car subscription and keeps it for a while uh, um, right. and drives it themselves. Um, and, and, and I believe that some of them are, are are doing that as well. Would you see them as competitors?
1: Yeah. So uh, uh, from the drive and eCar, uh, you know, perspective, like we yeah. are very well aware about the kind of tech that's required behind it. Uh, we have that tech too because we have been. Uh, uh, doing that back in India for a certain amount of profits we were in uh, used to do a plug and play used called a stab go technology where you have your tap or you access the key of the vehicle from your mobile devices and everything. Now, uh, uh, from the permanent rental side, it makes a good viable business if it's have a density of that kind of uh, requirement coming by. but. When we approached in, uh, we, we were been looking at by one of the OEMs and the RTA to supply that kind of
0: technology. Can, sorry, can uh, you just explain OEM in this sorry. context, the original manufacturers? Uh, the car manufacturers. Yeah. yeah, the
1: original yeah. Family, the car manufacturers and the d were were We were, uh, we were uh, together partnered to uh, launch the same during the e-car and the u drive, It's 2016-2017 modeling. Uh, the viability of it initially did not make... because. There's, there, there is a climate condition that keeps you on you in your seasonality effect where you have the six months. Probably people don't mind walking down, uh, you know, two blocks away to get a car, but during big hot season, it's very difficult for people to really take that call just because I want to. People want everything at their doorstep. So deliveries make sense. All of those structures make sense. Taxis are efficient in Dubai and all of the region right now. Having said that, it started making and, and, and the cost parameter, Able to charge you at that level. These all started thinking. Look, okay, you're doing all of this, but that really is it. Really solving a purpose on a day to day. Yes, and as it matures, as it grows, people have the acceptability. But I felt we are going back to the India segment where we have to educate a lot of people train them doing all of yeah. that and again requires a lot of cash flow. So I said, let's not, let it, unless and until it's matured, let's not get into it because I have had my understanding of educating people <laughs> and not really being uh, able to scale. Yeah, so my whole understanding was, uh, you know, if there's no scalability, I'm, I'm really not excited about that. Uh, I, I want to see 1,000 units. I want to see 2,000 units coming by from that uh, product lineup and real having uh, problem-solving elements where people love it. And uh, that makes a lot of business model uh, architecture support. Uh, other than that, if there's something new, yes, it may get a limelight on that. End, but if you go back and try to manage that whole show, it's it's a nightmare.
0: Okay. Uh, interesting. So there's so many uh, trends and talking points about the automotive industry, the future of the automotive industry, whether it, uh, and you provide them, whether it's electric vehicles, whether it's self-driving cars, um, and different trends in that industry. Uh, Speaking, you know, before we get to those in detail, just specifically at the moment and we talked about the pandemic, there seems to be a shortage of supply of uh, and secondhand cars are in high demand and there's a sort of still a global logistics problem. Um, Is that how you view that? How long is that going on for? And does that impact your business in any way?
1: Um, Yes, so. We've been lucky enough, I would say, that we really not felt that kind of an intense shortage. Uh, Certain dealers did go completely stop sale, considering that there are no fleet available to put it across, and they have pre-bookings right now, which basically is that whatever the supply they're getting, they already pre-booked. So, hence, certain car models, certain brands have been not there on the platform, which we've been missing them out. Uh, But then... uh, Because we've been having such a large consortium of dealerships working along with us and different uh, brands working along with us, uh, we have been in a continuous supply uh, availability there. So on the platform, we have not seen a shortage. We've gone through the whole shortage last year and started somewhere in the mid-Q2, uh, Q3, it went slightly excess because there's a massive demand coming because of the exports expo, of, yeah. of the sales of the cars that picked up. But then uh, having said that, uh, we have been lucky enough not to really, because we've been dealing with everyone in the market that's the potential, sees a value proposition offered by uh, Selfrack, And having said that, no matter what happens, even if there are, say, about 500 cars or 200 cars coming in, they'll still keep 10-20% of that aside. And we already have been already uh, acquired kind of uh, 2,000, well, last year we were at 2,200 cars. Uh, They we've shuffled again. So having those kind of customers again, we were always having read availability uh, from that segment. Uh, We did feel a bit of crunch in early uh, uh, January and a bit of February, but then again, it was eased up very soon. How long would it last? It idealistically was been uh, uh, anticipated. It would be till Q3 as of now. Mm. Um, So that's after what I have is uh, post Q3 or mid somewhere around Q3, we're looking at things slightly by largely easing up because they're still launching a lot of new models, which means that there's a lot of potential coming in that these models still will be working on their timelines and will make their way to the market inside. Okay. And having said that, uh, we will still be getting those access of brand new vehicles because we are not worried about that one particular model, like other car rental companies will are like, okay, I only need the next model. When is that coming in? And we are not worried about that. We're like, any new model that is launched, we have it on the We have it on our platform. Okay. So a lot of new car launches also have it all, we, uh, happen on our platform. Uh, that helps us to get that market traction even. So uh, Interesting. we we don't think are not at hit that much.
0: Great. Yeah. Uh and that, that's good to know. Um so the automotive industry is over hundred years old. How big a seismic shift is what's happening at the moment with electric vehicles and investment and new new players in the market? How you know, a, away from sort of your business and self-drive, if you were uh, a market, an industry analyst on automotive. How would you describe what's happening at the moment? What the big players are doing, and the size of the challenges that they face. Um, so, I, from my
1: standpoint or viewpoint, I would say the market is currently divided into three clusters. The cluster one is the current existing one, which is the IC engines, which is the internal commercial engines, which currently the market where everybody still buying those cars, everybody has those cars and is divided uh, the world into uh, countries which are e- currently adapted to the EV segments, who has the infrastructure. Countries that who don't have the infrastructure are still buying the IC engines. The second one is the electric vehicles uh, transformation that is currently happening around the world, which is new cars, new car makers venturing into it, they're they're looking at the technology, they're looking at the ways of improving it, they're looking at understanding, okay, this could be the next big thing for them as an automotive manufacturer that, okay, this could lead to the success story, the sustainability of their projects. The the third is uh, slightly distinctive, but there's still a lot of companies still experimenting is uh, the, uh, I guess I missed on that name though, but let me come back to you. So, so typically three of them uh, working on it. The third is, uh, I'll get back. Let me give, give me some time. So, one is the IC, the other one is the EV, and the hydrogen fuel cells. So, the third one is hydrogen fuel cell cars. Mm. So There are companies enoughly investing into hydrogen fuel cell also, which they basically feel is going to be the sustainable way to move forward. So, yeah. there are already cars getting launched in a couple of countries. UK has it, US has it, but there are certain clusters only. So, uh, It's going to be time wherein we are going to have these three from an elongated period of time, depending on the countries, the regulations, and the adaptability what we see from different countries and how far they're ready to move and move into the transition from IC to the EVs or to fuel cell. Now, between fuel cell and uh, EVs, they're currently between us slightly. EV has its lead though, but uh, on certain segments, uh, analysts do believe that uh, EVs are neither that great cleaner. And uh, it requires enough of same amount of uh, production capacity or the same amount of, uh, you know, not carbon neutral, real carbon neutral that is going in and in, in making all of that. Having said that, hydrogen fuel cell for mm-hmm. a lot of companies still makes sense of those lines. Mm-hmm. So uh, how would it move forward? I see a hybrid version coming in like uh, Toyota has approached, that again, making all of their uh, you know majority of the segments now, existing segments are now offered in hybrid also. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hyundai has done the same thing a bit on certain models so it's like okay take a test of it feel how you like it. it, it is good fuel economic the fuel prices are going up so have a certain level of adaptability or acceptance there and then infrastructure matters because people it's not the real cost of anxiety of people really having it i do really don't uh, have an understanding that why people are so insanely crazy about uh anxiety of uh, the range because you have a gauge, even in the fuel, you see it going down to E or there's a light stating that you're running low-on fuel. Of course, you're going to pull over and get into yeah, yeah, fuel. Yeah. Or you're going to be going on to electric charging station and putting it in charge. So, it's I mean, is it really that common sense don't exist? That's what people are really saying that, uh, you know, if what if in case we run out of charge, that's kind of a question. doesn't really make sense. Mm. Uh, the issue out here is the sustainability of availability of those charges and in the infrastructure. Where the amount of time it requires to really put it. Uh, we did a test run on EVs, uh, where we launched EVs in the, uh, in the, in the UAE market. And our experience was none of it actually happened. Mm. Uh, none of the guys really ran on a checkside road without a charge. Mm. <laughs> and we called us a backup stating that, okay, well, you run checkside road and the car is run out of charge. That never did happen. Yeah. So, uh, questions that are being populated in the media are slightly very different. Uh, Uh, on the segment is again I said acceptability will be properly driven by the uh, uh, law of the land and the infrastructure that the government is ready to provide it. Uh, Other than that uh, car manufacturers will keep on innovating uh, depending on where the market trends and demand. They see the numbers going in and uh, there will be a lot of new projects also going and launch because the technology on the EV still is yet to come to a mature stage. It's still innovating there. They're still figuring it out. I mean Lucid is doing something different where Tesla is doing something different in the battery technology where uh, VW or uh, the BMW or the other car manufacturers on the old school network are coming up with a different technology altogether. So they are are all innovative hubs getting created in a very different manner. Uh, Very difficult to say which one is leading the way. Uh, Numbers can say that, okay, uh, EV Tesla is the leader there, but uh, in in other ways, it's very difficult to say that these guys will not lead because they understand. But one thing very interesting that came up is, The new age companies that are coming in automotive, which is whether it's Rivian, whether it is uh, Tesla, whether it's Lucid or any other company uh, that are coming in, they made the whole cars in, in center with a mind of an understanding of building it ground up from a battery tech. Whereas the others are already inside the IC engines and they have a different kind of a mindset. So if you look the way the cars are also made, they're very different. You have a frunk Whereas the others with, who are existing car manufacturers will not have a frunk. The they are losing out on of The frunk front is only for the namesake. Yeah. So uh, from the space times point, how are they maybe packaging it? Everything is very different. Mm. Uh, so it's going to be interesting time to see uh, adaptability of people. I don't see anything unless uh, they still don't keep on getting cost at a ridiculous value. And if, if it costs higher, it again, is going to be compared to renting and leasing segment because that's going to be our job to make it more affordable and more make it more accessible to the mass market so definitely you know, and again evs don't appreciate the way i see engines too
0: oh interesting well thank you for sharing found of knowledge on the topic uh appreciate that and clearly there's a lot of uh, market knowledge and information you know still to be shared and uh there's a lot of way to go on this as well on the technology side as well um, but good to know. So we're running out of time, but I want to ask about your future plans. So self drive is currently operating in the UAE and Bahrain, uh, uh, sorry, in Oman, uh, but you're expanding to Bahrain, Qatar, Kuwait, Saudi, and then your future plans for UK and Europe, how, wh- why yeah. those territories and how do you see, uh, the future expansion?
1: Um, we, we, we strategically moved out once we, uh, once we had the UAE confidence and, uh, uh, these are the segments where the OEMs want us to specifically. Okay. So we're talking now to them. we understanding where their pain points rise into. And they say, hey, listen, we have a dealer here. We have these countries that we want you to cover. it." And that's where we are just going with the flow. We, we are looking at the market potential there. We're looking at the dealer supply chain because it's super important for us to have the dealer supply chain intact. Other than that, the platform is just a platform. And uh, we need to have a collaborative uh, understanding of the same. These GCC markets make a very uh, sensible uh, access point for us, considering the success story what we want be see it in UAE. Um, the next move to the Europe uh, undoubtedly comes because uh, we see a potential there in the markets uh, similar to uh, what we saw it in the UAE segment there, and we have the OEM supporting us there, where they say that okay, we need you there. When are you gonna next launch it? So we already are in talks with the uh, you know dealers out there in uh, UK and in Europe, certain parts of it. Uh, as a technology company, we are able to move fast because we have created these products for the consumers, for the real networks. These kind of techs are already ready for us. Now we just need to probably figure it out. If it, yeah, what kind of a product is more suitable for the UK markets and we just edit those and then fire it up there. So as a tech company, our job is to make sure that we are able to access larger markets and uh, give that taste of success to them too. Where consumers are able to do it, uh, able to have that access to the rental which we never
0: had it to. Date. Amazing! It'll be great to see a UAE uh, company expand into those markets and especially out of Dubai. Uh, so, Shoman, we're out of time as well now. So, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll follow Self Drive in the shu- in the future, and uh, yeah, very well done, and and best of luck with all the success. Thank you so much thank you it was a pleasure meeting you Chat having a good chat with you videos good to chat uh take care and rather kareem so he really knows his stuff about automotive and you could tell that i don't know as much uh but always good to learn on these podcasts and these interviews uh it's great to really see how a company like that can grow and um, i wanted to ask if we had more time around you know, his thoughts on, uh, you know, VCs versus self-funding and at what point they would go for extra funding and expansion and, um, you know, why other companies might get higher valuations and more media coverage, uh, yet not be profitable like them as well. So, you know, great great success for what they've done and wishing them well in the future. Thank you to Ali, who's been uh, producing this podcast this morning uh, and Shahir who arranged uh, everything in the background uh, Uh, on to buy works if you are listening to it on audio please do like subscribe and comment uh, if possible on that app and then also if you're watching on any smashy social media channels uh, please do watch on smashy.tv or the app smart apps smart tv apps or mobile apps as well and watch any of other shows Uh, thanks and we'll be back again next friday 11 o'clock for another episode